0: Welcome to the Diabetes What to Know podcast, where we talk to diabetes experts about how to live a long, healthy life with diabetes. One of the biggest challenges of diabetes is the way the numbers can vary so much, even when we're trying to do everything right. Tonight, we're talking with diabetes care and education specialist, Melinda Marinuk, about all the different things that can affect blood sugar and what people with diabetes should know about them. Melinda, thanks so much for being here with us again tonight. Oh, thanks so much for
1: having me. This is such an important topic.
0: So let's actually start by talking about when we do check our number on our meter, what should we generally be shooting for? Like, what are the general guidelines for most people?
1: So, Ansley, the general guidelines fall into three different categories. So when you wake up in the morning, what's called your fasting blood sugar, that should fall between 70 and 130. But through the rest of the day, considering the fact that you're eating, you've got a wider range that should be between 70 and 180. Um, And the goal is to have it there about 70% of the time. We recognize that sometimes you're still a little above that. Don't freak out or sometimes a little bit below that. Don't freak out. And then at bedtime, those people that are advised to check before bed, the target is a little higher still to reduce the risk of low blood sugar, and that's
0: between 90 and 150. Got it. Okay, so of course people are gonna to wanna to check with their doctor to figure out what's right for them, but I'm so glad you started us off with kind of like the general, the general what we're looking for. Right. So let's talk about kind of the major factors that can affect blood glucose numbers that people with diabetes can do something about. You know, the big three, food, exercise, yeah. and medicine. Let's start with food. Top line, how can food affect blood sugar?
1: Um, It's the source of fuel for our bodies. So it's important to just do a little physiology and remind ourselves why we're eating. It's to give ourselves that energy and that energy that's so important is in the form of glucose. And glucose comes from all kinds of foods. Sometimes you think about glucose as a sugar just coming from sugar foods. It's not just sugary foods, it's also starchy foods like whole grains, legumes, starchy vegetables. So foods that you don't think of as sweet. And so the importance of recognizing that we get this glucose from all of our foods, primarily carbohydrate, but also knowing that foods that contain a lot of protein and fat will also affect our blood sugars at a little bit more slower rate and perhaps not push it up as high and it will not affect the blood sugar as immediately. Carbohydrate has the most rapid effect and also tends to push the blood glucose up the highest.
0: So one of the things that we hear is that the same food can impact people differently. So for some people, corn might really cause their blood sugar to go up. Whereas for other people, it's rice that can cause a big spike. How can someone figure out which foods are better for their body?
1: Yeah, it's a really hard thing. Um, It's very individualized. And the more you live with your diabetes and checking blood sugar, the more you you learn from it. There are a few general guidelines that I want to point out. First of all, we know that Carbohydrates in general are gonna have the most impact. And the more fiber that's in a carbohydrate, the less impact it will have. So brown rice, a little better than white rice, or um, starchy uh, high fiber vegetables, a little bit better than uh, low starchy and uh, vegetables that don't have much fiber in it, like iceberg lettuce, for example, or peeled cucumbers. Also the quantity of the carbohydrate makes a big difference. So half a cup of blueberries may not affect your blood sugar at all, but a cup of blueberries may spike it. So the amount of carbohydrate, even if it's a really healthy carbohydrate, it's gonna impact your blood sugar more. Um, the quality of the carbohydrate. And what I mean by that is the more processed the food is, it tends to have a higher push up on the blood sugar. And the more whole and unprocessed the food is, the less impact it may have on the blood sugar. The fourth thing I want to mention is the amount of how easy it is for that food to be digested. So for example, something that you're drinking, juices or sodas or sweetened teas, they're going to be digested very quickly, and that's going to have a bigger impact on the blood sugar. And you asked, how can you tell? Like for one person, corn may raise it up and somebody else it doesn't. One thing you can do is do something that I've heard you refer to, Ansley, as paired checking. So checking your blood sugar at the time you're going to be eating something, and then Uh, checking it one to two hours later, repeating that with the same meal uh, and seeing if the corn really is the food that is pushing your blood sugar higher, perhaps replacing it with a different vegetable and seeing if you have a similar spike in your blood sugar after. So I guess I'm saying uh, recognize a number of things are gonna impact how much your blood sugar is uh, uh, affected by a carbohydrate food, but you can also check it by uh, monitoring your blood sugar about two hours afterwards and seeing, in fact, maybe it was the food, but maybe it was something completely different. It's not always the food that we sort of put the blame on.
0: And we'll be talking about some more of those things a little bit later on in the show, besides food that can affect blood sugar. But I'm so glad you talked about fiber because I think sometimes when we look at, like, you know, nutrition facts and we see that beans have a lot of carbohydrates, it's easy to forget they also have a lot of fiber. So they are still really good for us.
1: Right, right. And there's some controversy about the term glycemic index, and you may have heard that. And there's a rating of some carbohydrates. And and legumes, for example, have a very low glycemic index, meaning that for most people, it's really not pushing up the blood sugar that much. So a lot of carbohydrate, but it's a really healthy carbohydrate. And for most people, it doesn't spike their blood sugar.
0: So there are some foods that are good for us, like fruit, for example, that may raise our blood sugar more than we want. So any tips for how to minimize blood sugar spikes with things like fruit? Yeah, Uh,
1: important because uh, fruit is such a healthy food and so many people with diabetes avoid it because they say, oh, it's just too much sugar. Well, two things to think about. One, check the quantity, check the portion size. And one of the things I love about berries is for 15 grams of carbohydrate, you get you know, about a cup full of berries, whether it's blueberries or strawberries. So that's a pretty good quantity. Whereas some other fruits, I mean, at the other end of the spectrum would be like a dried fruit where you'd have a very small amount, two tablespoons of raisins to be about 15 grams of carbohydrate. So check the quantity and make sure you're eating it in moderation, about a 15 gram portion. So that would be the one step. The second thing is think about, is there something you can combine with that fruit that has either protein or fat in it that can help lower the glycemic spike? So for example, if you're having some sliced apple, can you spread a little peanut butter on top of it or almond butter on top of it? If you're having watermelon, one of my favorite salads is taking watermelon and mixing it with feta cheese and some uh, chopped mint leaves, and that decreases the spike of the watermelon with the cheese. Um, if you take some wonderful uh, cantaloupe and wrap a little prosciutto around it, um, a little meat, that addition of the protein and a little fat will help minimize that spike. So think about what you can add to it in the form of nuts, um, nut butters, um, meats or cheeses with your fruit, and that would absolutely decrease the, the spike that you may get from some foods.
0: Oh, that's a great suggestion, and I will just make a personal plug for watermelon and feta and mint is delicious together, so (laughs) definitely try it. So Melinda, when it comes to managing diabetes, we talk a lot about what we eat, but can when we eat have an impact on blood sugar? Like, for example, can eating dinner a little earlier or not snacking at night make a difference?
1: Yes, yes. And this is something that, again, there's a lot of individual variation with, and it might be something that if you're suspecting, you're just not sure why your blood sugars are as high as they are at night, you might try this. I mean, there's the old adage or saying that eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. Sort of for everyone, it's recommended to, you know, have a few more of your calories in the morning and less at night. But that said, I recognize that that's definitely not practical for the way most of us live our lives. But keeping that in mind, um, having uh, your dinner meal, perhaps instead of at eight, maybe at seven or at six, a little bit earlier, decreasing perhaps the amount of carbohydrate that is in that dinner meal, if you are having higher blood sugars at night than than expected. So I think it's the timing and and the quantity that you want to be paying attention to. I want to add there's been some interesting research um, and not a lot of it, but this is something you can experiment on your own, is that some people find that by holding the carbohydrate to the end of the meal, for example, having the protein, um, the fat and the vegetables first, and then having your potato or corn or roll or starch at the end, the uh, fat and protein that you've already eaten might mitigate or lower the overall spike of the carbohydrate. So that's something
0: else to think about. So that's kind of the opposite of the usual bread basket syndrome. So like instead of bringing the bread at the beginning of the meal, we want to eat it at the end. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Good point. Next up in the big three is exercise. And I know figuring out how exercise will affect blood sugar can be a little tricky. So walk us through what we need to know about exercise. First of all,
1: bottom line, so important. It is a critical part of the big three. Uh, I worked for many years with Jocelyn Diabetes Center and Dr. Jocelyn always talked about the management of diabetes is a three-legged stool, diet, medicines, and exercise. You've got to have all three to make them work. And too often we don't pay enough attention to exercise. So there's so many benefits to exercise. And the biggest being it does help decrease insulin resistance. It makes the muscles work better. It uses the medicines better. And overall, it will decrease blood sugar for some people, a small amount for others, depending on how much exercise and how long the duration a greater amount. And one thing to be aware of is that that decline in blood sugar can last for a period of hours. And it might be that six hours later, eight hours later, even up to 24 hours later, you could have an unexplained at the time hypoglycemic event and think back and say, oh, I was golfing all yesterday afternoon, especially when it's more than you're used to. Um, so for the most part, exercise is lower, lowers blood sugar. And you become aware of that and either eat something ahead of time or adjust your medication. Uh, usually your diabetes care and education specialist or your healthcare provider will guide you into how to adjust your insulin or your medication to allow for that. But some exercises, especially a very high intensity exercise like sprinting, um, or doing something sort of rapidly for a short period of time or weightlifting that could actually raise blood sugar. In a way, it's setting off some of the um, hormones and catecholamines that spike the blood sugar up. So I've had people say, I thought I exercised and I thought that was supposed to lower it. There are instances where it pushes it up. So for most people, as they're starting on an exercise routine, it's helpful to be checking before and um, immediately after and then a few hours after to see if it's continuing to drop or in some cases go up.
0: You know as you're saying this I'm just reminded of the saying you know your diabetes may vary and that's why it's so great that we have the meter so we can constantly be seeing like what's happening with my body like does Absolutely. weightlifting affect me or not
1: and I love the fact that you are sort of your own scientist you know your your doctor your nurse practitioner they won't know about how your body reacts to things the same way you will. And it's such an amazing tool, whether you're using a blood sugar meter or continuous glucose monitor to be able to really see your own trends and come up with your personalized uh, solutions to each of these situations.
0: That's great. All right, last of the big three is medication. In general, what's the effect of medication on blood sugar? It's fantastic.
1: This is... uh... (laughs) Often, as a dietitian, people will say to me, "I don't want to go on the medicine; just keep me on some kind of meal plan that will keep me off that." And you know, I think food is amazing, exercise is amazing, but at the same time, there are so many excellent medicines that have benefits even beyond just. Lowering the blood sugar. So in terms of the different types of medicines, uh, it is true that insulin of all the diabetes medicines and there are about eight different categories is the most effective. So if you get to the point where you are starting on insulin or you've been on it, know that that medicine is absolutely effective in doing what it's supposed to be doing. but the many other categories of medicines not only do a good job at lowering blood sugar, they may have some other benefits that your care provider will be talking with you about. Some of them are really helpful in helping with weight loss. Some of them have a cardioprotective um, uh, benefit to them. So if you're at risk for heart disease, some of them benefit you there. Some of them do carry a greater risk of hypoglycemia, not just insulin, but some of the other medicines as well, just a few. So be aware of that. Um, Um, and also be aware that a combination of medicines um, is often a good thing. Uh, Don't look at that as if you have to start a different class or type of medicine or increase the medicine. It's not that you did something wrong. Uh, It's that sometimes two different medicines together have even more beneficial effects. Both maybe one will help your weight more, one will help your heart more, and both will help your blood sugar. So think about it
0: that way. Oh, fantastic. So it often happens that someone will eat the same meal or the same snack, you know, two days, like in a week and get two very different numbers. And that's because there are a lot of other things that affect blood glucose, like sleep or stress or being sick, for example. And that's what you were talking Mm -hmm. about earlier. It's not always about the food. So let's talk about a few of those. And let's start with sleep. Tell us, how can a poor night's sleep affect our blood glucose?
1: It's interesting. We are discovering more and more and more how beneficial sleep is to so many aspects of our health. I think there used to be sort of a badge of honor when people say, Hey, I can get by with only six hours of sleep. Well, honestly, that's nothing to be proud of anymore, because even though you might feel refreshed and able to accomplish the things in your day, it's overall not doing great things for your body. So it's recommended for everybody, not just people with diabetes to be aiming for seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Um, For people with diabetes, we are seeing associations between higher blood sugar levels, a little bit more increased insulin resistance, increased weight gain, uh, greater consumption of food. And some of that is, yeah, you can't sleep, you get up, you go down, you have a bowl of cereal or a glass of milk or something like that, more carbohydrate cravings. So it's something that the scientists are paying more attention to. Uh, Interesting. uh, One author that I was looking at who has a a book called Why We Sleep. He says, the shorter you sleep, the shorter your life. So he's seeing associations between getting the target amount of sleep with many um, increased risks of many different conditions. So. Bottom line, increased blood sugar for people with diabetes.
0: If we're not getting enough sleep or if we have a bad night's sleep, yes. just that's just something to be aware of.
1: Yes. And I'll, I'll add, I mean, I'm a person that does have trouble sleeping and it's something to talk about with your doctor because it's not as easy as just saying, well, I'll go to bed at 11 and then I'll get up seven hours later. Our bodies don't always respond that way. So, you know, I've had personally conversations about my own sleep habits to try to think through my amount of caffeine or amount of alcohol or different habits that I have that I'm trying to modify um, and talk about some different um, interventions. If sleep really is a problem with you, there are a number of things that can be addressed and done.
0: Melinda, two other things that can impact blood sugar are stress and illness. If we're experiencing a lot of stress, what should we know about how that may be impacting our blood sugar? Yeah,
1: so with stress, you know, whether that's um, fear of something or just a really stressful situation in our lives, going through, you know, a painful divorce or whatever it is, uh, that releases that, hormone adrenaline, that fight or flight hormone to get your body up and ready to go. and really releases a lot of glucose and it pushes the blood sugar up. So it's a normal response, but people with diabetes don't have the normal insulin response to bring that glucose down. So for many people with diabetes, a variety of stresses, emotional stress, physical stress uh, can uh, raise blood sugar. The other thing I want to point out with stress is sometimes your blood sugar can drop. We think usually about stress, increases it. The other thing to keep in mind is how do you respond to that stress? So if you have stress in your life and you find yourself eating a lot of ice cream, that's gonna increase it even more. Or if you find yourself not eating food because you're feeling so blue, you just avoid food altogether, which is a response that many people have. Not me, um, but that's going to lower your blood sugar. So it's a stress can bring it up, but stress can also drop it if you respond by not eating. All right,
0: what about being sick? You know, how how does that affect blood glucose numbers?
1: In a very similar way. So illness, sickness, as well as surgery, even dental surgery, is it uh, pushes out those same hormones those uh, fight or flight uh, hormones, uh, cortisol, adrenaline, and you're also gonna have uh, a hyperglycemic uh, blood sugar uh, raising. It's temporary. Uh, It's typical for often uh, blood uh, diabetes to be diagnosed in a hospital because you've got that extra stress, not only the emotional stress of being in the hospital, but the stress of whatever condition it is that you're in there for, surgery or whatever, uh, and it raises the blood sugar the insulin is uh, not working as it should, able to bring it down. So in a way, it's a good thing. A lot of people get diagnosed with, the, with diabetes unintentionally when they are in the hospital for something else. Um, so again, it can be managed, but recognize that whether it's uh, emotional stress or illness, um, uh, COVID, whatever, can make your blood sugars go up. And you may need some extra medicine for that period of time,
0: not forever. So if if we are sick, whether it's kind of a cold or a fever, should we be checking our blood sugars more often?
1: Absolutely. Really good point. Uh, so if you're used to you know just checking a couple times a week during that time that you're not feeling well and the blood sugars are running higher, it's generally recommended to check a couple of times a day during that time. Um, And there's a few other times when you want to be checking blood sugar more often. Uh, If you're starting a new medicine or increasing the dose of that medicine, if you're starting a new meal plan or trying a little something different with your diet, for example, a lot of people have been asking about what if I decrease the amount of carbohydrates in in my diet, absolutely be checking more often because your body's used to managing a certain amount of carbs. Uh, if you embark on a new exercise routine and you take up, you know, a three mile walking on a regular basis, that's going to impact that. So whenever you do something that's kind of significantly different from what you're used to, it's a really good time to check more often. And for any women who are thinking about um, getting pregnant, planning a pregnancy, it's also a time to be checking more often because you want to make sure, talking with your care provider, that your blood sugars are in a a much tighter range than perhaps you were used to keeping them in before.
0: Folks, if you want more information on all the different factors that Melinda is talking about that can impact blood sugar, check out the awesome PDF from Diatribe called 42 Things That Can Affect Blood Sugar. You can download it for free and we'll put the link in the comments now. They have a great explanation of all of those factors also on their website. Okay, Melinda, it's time to do a stop smoking public service announcement. (laughs) What would you tell folks who smoke about the impact that smoking can have on blood sugar?
1: I think you know the answer. I mean, there are very few people who smoke that don't realize um, how detrimental, how um, harmful it can be, especially for people with diabetes. Uh, it uh, de- increases blood sugar even more. Um, it uh, nicotine makes it just harder for uh, the me- medications to work. You're more insulin resistant. You need larger doses of the medicine, especially the insulin for them to work as effectively and I don't even need to mention the, the negative impact that smoking and nicotine can have on a myriad of complications because the impact goes directly onto the blood vessels, both the large and small blood vessels, therefore leading to higher risks of cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, damages in, in the uh, small blood vessels in the eyes and in the kidneys. Not one good thing about smoking for people with diabetes.
0: So we know that the dawn phenomenon for many people can impact blood sugar in the morning. Can you explain a little bit about what that is and what people who are noticing higher numbers in the morning can do? The
1: dawn phenomenon is a phenomenon that really everybody has, not just people with diabetes, but as a normal part of sleeping and sort of your body internally saying, okay, pretty soon I'm going to be waking up there's this surge of hormones that sort of says, all right, soon we're going to be stretching. We're going to be meeting the day. And that surge of hormones again, like with the stress and the illness pushes blood sugar up. So for most people whose insulin is working okay, or is on the right dose of medication, Uh, that dawn phenomenon, uh, when the blood sugars go up, the insulin or the medication pushes it back down and we're sort of in targets. But there's times when the blood sugar is too high in the morning. And it might mean a couple of things. It might mean you have to look at what you're eating at night. And if the dinner meal is too late or too much of a large carbohydrate snack late, that may need to be modified. You might say, oh, I'm still high in the morning when I wake up. Could be due to this dawn phenomenon. Maybe I'll do a little bit of exercise at night, and I really recommend that this be sort of light exercise because the risk of doing too much exercise before going to bed is that it could decrease the blood sugar while you're sleeping. That triggers another reaction called the Samoji effect, but same idea blood sugar drops too low. And thankfully we do have a protective medicine um, mechanism in our body that the liver will release sugar to push you back up again, but you wake up with a spike and not realizing that you dropped too low. So maybe better if you're waking up early in the morning or in the morning with the high blood sugar before starting breakfast to make it even higher, do a little walk, do a little exercise then, but do talk to your care provider Um, bring in some numbers. Don't react to if this happens just occasionally. Look for a pattern two or three days with similar numbers reporting what you have eaten the night before. And then maybe it means an adjustment in, in the medication or meals.
0: Melinda, as always, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom with us. You're so welcome. It was a pleasure to be with you. Take good care. Good night.